Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Do such a great job of leading us in worship. Amen. But you are the worshiper. Amen. They lead us to that place. Amen. We're so glad you are here today. Welcome each and every one of you. So good to have our families back with us over here. And uh, amen. The rest of you, God bless you. We did have a great time on Wednesday, didn't we? Man, I didn't realize you all sang so good. Amen. Appreciate that. Appreciate that good lesson this morning. Amen. All right. We are going to call your attention this morning to the book of Luke, chapter number 8. We're going to read verses 43 through 46. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude, this crowd that's pressing upon you, Why do you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. That word virtue also can be translated power. He literally felt a piece of him leave. Amen. Mark, the fifth chapter, adds this about the lady that had this physical ailment. It says, and she had suffered many things of many physicians and was not helped, but, in, but instead had become worse. Amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning on this thought, the key to revival is somebody, somebody needs to touch Jesus. Amen. Would you just lift your hearts one more time here? And Brother McCune, would you be so kind as to pray one more time, please?
Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Brother Wood's teaching this morning, he touched on the scripture that Paul writing, he says, I want to know him. I want to know him. In what? The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And we all enjoy the worship. We all enjoy coming to the house of God and, and uh, coming together and having a great time. But then there are those times that we lose control, our personal control, over what takes place inside or in our personal lives. As uh, we were talking the other day, and I forget who it was, but uh, we were talking about how, you know, no matter who we think we are or how talented we are, still, as a human, you can only take one breath at a time. You can't take two. You take one at a time. The heart beats one beat at a time. We live one day at a time. That day is literally broken down into hours, minutes, and even seconds. Seconds sometimes don't, does not seem like a long time, Unless you're looking at the time clock. Right? And then one minute sometimes takes a long time. Or even a few seconds. A few seconds can decide which direction things are going to go. And I believe that, I believe that Individually, we need to live a personal revival. You understand what I'm saying? Is that we need to keep the Holy Ghost alive in us. Because the Bible tells us that when we are baptized, he said, when I baptize you, I am going to baptize you in a couple of different areas. I'm going to baptize you with power. And that, of course, is where we know that we get our word dynamite. He says, and I'm going to baptize you with fire. Those two things mixed together, something tells me there's got to be a change. There's got to be a change. Amen. You put those two together. Our story this morning is about two people coming from very different backgrounds, but they find themselves arriving on the same day at the same place, compelled by their individual urgent need. And before we get into it here, I, I will just say this, is that Wherever you are at today, you are here. If, how many of you 
have given your life to the Lord. All right? Did not everybody, did not all the hands go up, okay? If you gave your heart to God, do you pray for the will of God to flow through your life? Don't you? You do, don't you? When you gave your heart to God, it was 100%, Lord, I give you my everything. I give you my past, I, to erase it, if you will, please. I give you my present to give me the strength to live for the day. And I give you my future, and I'm depending on you to bring my future into a place that is aligned with your will. You believe that? And, but as we look into the story here today, we sometimes we get to the point where we, if we're not careful, something happens in our life and we lose the perspective or the perception that we feel like that God does not know where I'm at, but He does know where you're at. He knows where you're at, even the sinner man, those that have yet to give their heart to God. He knows where they're at. But more specifically, his children who have obeyed the gospel and have been born again and have went down into the water in the name of Jesus and the blood atonement has been applied to your life. But don't you think for a minute that he does not know exactly where you are and he has brought you, he has brought you to this place, to this hour. I think our challenge part, at least in part, is that in order to get to the revival that God has for us and that we're going to be speaking about here this morning is that in both of these cases you will find that God had to get them to an urgency in their life before they really stepped forward and got to the place that he needed for them to get to. We know that, don't we? Sure. You have to feel the urgency of the hour that we live in. That is the challenge of the church. And sometimes God has to get us as an individual to that place. And that is where, we're, if we're not careful, we think that he has forgotten us. No, he's got you to a place where he wants you to have your faith elevated to a point where it is going to impact not just your life, but it is going to impact the world that you live in. How many of you believe that? And so this message is very simple, but it's so powerful. The key to revival is somebody needs to touch Jesus. We have plenty of nobodies running around living their lives in vanity without purpose or direction. The world has plenty of bodies 
that have achieved superstar status in sports, fame, and fortune. We don't need any more superstars. We don't need any any more nobodies that have not a clue as to why they are here on planet Earth. What we need today is we desperately need somebody that is moved by desperation to break through the Sunday morning crowd of Christian sign seekers and get to the place that we're going to be talking about here. We're in need of somebody that has got to a place designed by God. All right? How many of you believe that He designed your life from the very moment? <laughs> Not Listen, somebody that is compelled by their faith, by the urgency of what they feel. Whew. Listen, I want, I pray, I ask the Lord, I said, Lord, Help me to feel the urgency of the hour that I live in. And my prayer, of course, is, Lord, please, allow me. GK, you get to the place on your own without. I don't want his help in getting me there. You understand? I want to be able to do it as a preacher, as a pastor, as a father, as a grandfather, as just a normal Christian person that has a concern for the world that we live in today. But there's sometimes that he has to move us to that place. Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to go there? I believe that the Lord has brought each and every one of us to such a time as this. We have to be willing to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. He knows where you are. He still knows the number and the location of the hair on your head. That's what the Bible says. We love to quote Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. But then, a couple of verses beyond that. Then you shall call upon me, and go and pray unto me, and I will hear your voice, and I will listen to you. The Amplified Version reads like this, Then with a deep longing you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with part of your heart. With everything that is within you. Everything, that first and great commandment. That I will, I need you to get to the place on your own. That you are going to seek me with all of your heart. 
all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength, everything that is within you. You need to get me, he says, as a vital necessity in your life, like the air that you breathe and the water that you drink. Psalm 139 and 13. For you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's what it says. It says, I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I am not my monkey's uncle. God wove me. He knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. When I was no more than the width of a human hair inside my mother, he began to knit me and to work with me. You are a special person. I'm wonderfully made. Don't put me in the same category as animal life. I'm not going there. I might bark once in a while, but... It says, I was formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors. In the depths of the earth, your eyes, now listen to this, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. What? In other words, while you, while he was masterfully designing you when you were not even the size of a grasshopper, he was already putting you on his calendar. And he put down the today's date. What is it? April 22, April 20, 23. He had already, while you were in your mother's womb, he was already writing your life history, and it brought you to today. He knows where you're at. He sees your, where you are today. And he knows everything about you. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. He thinks about me. And sometimes, he, you know, if I'm thinking about me, I'm like, all right, man, he's a little off his rocker, but, you know, he's still mine. You understand? That's what it says. It says this. It says uh, how your, he says, how precious 
also are your thoughts to me, O God. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't think that you are some scum of the earth. He doesn't see you as some uh, illegitimate, uh, no-nothing person just walking around. He sees you, and his thoughts about you are nothing but pure and happy thoughts and good thoughts. He goes on to say, How vast is the sum of them, the good thoughts. And if I could count them, they would outnumber the sand. Huh. I didn't write it. Brother Jay, his, he thinks about, he can think about you all the time while he's thinking about Brother Tim at the same time. Whoa. Here, remember, remember this. We are pilgrims. Didn't sing that one, did we? It's coming. But we've got to remember this. Paul writes in the book of Corinthians, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are... Wait a minute, we don't, I don't want to read that part. And you are not your own. I don't even own myself. According to that. You know why? It's because there, it goes on to say, For you are bought with a price, therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, you are to give Him the glory in this fleshly temple every day of your life, every moment of your life. Because why? Because you don't belong to yourself. You belong to the Heavenly Father that's got a family that has been purchased, not with silver and gold, the Bible says, but Peter says this, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ is what it took to redeem you. How priceless. It's a reminder that God has raised you and I up for such a time as this. It's a time to read the book of Esther again. Young lady, you lost both parents. Both parents at a young age. An orphan. Adopted and raised by her, I'll call him Uncle Cousin Mordecai. God bless her. Listen carefully. Did she have any idea? Why God? Why Lord? Why did you take my father and leave my mother with seven kids on welfare at 35 years of age? Why would you do that to me? Esther is a young lady. Lord, 
Why would you take both my parents? We don't read of any siblings. Don't know. She was adopted, an orphan. But listen carefully. God blessed her with the beauty needed to elevate her to a position of power in order to save her nation. He had already designed her life for her. All she had to do was to live for Him and have a little bit of support from a God-believer in order to get her to a place where her mission would be to touch the golden scepter in the king's hand. That would become her mission. She had found favor with the king. Nobody was allowed in his presence without his permission. And that golden scepter, it either, if he had it in his hand and you appeared there, that was a good thing. And you had to touch that thing in order to live. Otherwise, if it was not held out, like she said, if I perish, I perish. Hello. If I perish, I perish. But I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out. And I am going to say, I need, I need to have a discussion with the king. If he hears me and I found favor with him, that's a good thing. If he doesn't, then I'm going to go out trying. God had blessed her. She was that intercessor. Those words, chapter 4. For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will come from another place since you did not help when you had the chance. And who knows whether you have attained royalty Hello. Who's attained royalty this morning? Oh, you haven't? You're living beneath your 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 God-given right then. You are you if you have been born again, Brother Colton, I am a king's son. I am an heir of the king. Everything he owns, I have access to. Everything. And who knows whether you have attained royalty. Royalty. You are royalty this morning. You are not some dysfunctional family that does not have a father in heaven and a mother church on earth. You are a royal priesthood. 
a holy nation. You've been called. You have been chosen. You are sitting here today in royalty. And who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. For this very purpose. Three characters in our reading. The Lord, the woman, and Jairus. We know the woman and Jairus share one thing in common. And a couple of things, but it's brought together by the number 12. 12, 12, 12. We, if we have time, we'll, we'll look at that for a moment. But let me have, if you will, let me allow my imagination of what it might look like in today's world. Something happened 12 years ago in these two people's lives that neither would ever forget, although for different and opposite reasons. For Jairus, it was the birth of his one and only daughter. We don't know status of other children. We don't know. We know he had one daughter. We don't know if that was the only kid he had. Don't know. It kind of seems that way. Oh, what a joyful day of reaching the high note of life, procreating a new life, Jarius holding a newborn, something that was part of you. No greater joy. No greater joy. How many of you remember? Brother Jeff, you remember? Firstborn. Woo! Hold it. Whoa, that little, that little Devin, that six-foot kid now, you know. Jarius was on cloud nine. Nothing like it. I can tell you a story about Kathleen. We were in church. Yeah, we were in church. She decided she needs to go to the hospital. Well, whatever. She's playing the thing, and I'm doing something. I don't know. Says, well, come on, let's go. Said, All right, whatever. But we got to leave church in order to do that. True, but anyway. Who, Jarius, was a ruler of the local church. Let's just call him a preacher. Is that right? Because you, if you study a little bit, that means that he was more than likely in charge of making sure that the word was readily available and taught among the people. Okay, and let's call him a preacher. We know what it's like here at Top when one of our families carries in their brand new baby. Oh, come on! You kidding? All the all the women, all the they, yeah, sister, that, yeah, Bradley, right? Little Brad, he walks in the door. Finn walks in. The, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like boom all over him, sister Courtney. You are going to have a problem keeping that little baby on, you know, on your lap because everybody gets We know what it's like. There's nothing more exciting than to have a brand new baby in God's house. And you can take that both ways. Nothing like it. Everybody's happy. But then down the hall, down the hall, we're just going to say it's the same hospital. 
Down the hall, there was a no-name woman whose visit was for a very different reason. She was hemorrhaging, bleeding on the inside. Her primary doctor may have wrote the following prescription. The Jewish Talmud listed 11 possible remedies for this particular condition, such as drinking certain concoctions or carrying around the ashes of an ostrich egg or carrying around a barley corn kernel procured from donkey dung. Hello? That's not a whole lot different than a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, fake doctors in today's world. Yeah, try this drug. Well, that one didn't work. Oh, try this one. That one didn't work either. Yeah, funny, right? But there's not, but there's a lot of truth in that. Put a Band-Aid on it. You're mentally depressed, put a band to here. Take a drug that will, as a, you know, they give all the precursors to what might happen. You might be suicidal, but it'll lift you out of your depression. All right, let me try it. Now, just a reminder, both Jarius and this woman they were living according, okay, according to the scriptures. Now, hold on, which means this, that the woman's condition caused suffering more than just the physical loss of blood. Because of her particular issue, she could not show up and participate in Sunday morning worship. She was declared by the word of God in Leviticus, to be unclean until her issue was resolved. She had to social distance herself from everyone, family and friends, and the church. She was considered to be cursed by God because certainly God would never allow that to happen for that long of a time. See, here's the good news. See, but we know the rest of the story. See, but now those two individuals, they had no clue what was going to happen on a particular day. They were just people, normal everyday people, that were just trying to live life. They didn't have the good, they didn't have the rest of the story. It's been said that this particular disease was the most humiliating a woman could experience. It meant she could not have a normal marriage, could not have children. As she got worse, her body would be continually fatigued, weak, and anemic. Basically, she could not touch anything or anybody. 
I'm not exaggerating. That was this back then. She refused to give up. She went to one doctor after another. She Maybe she carried around an ostrich egg. I don't know. But instead of getting better, she got worse until she had spent everything she had. An outcast by family, friends, and church. Meanwhile, 12 years. Meanwhile, Jarius had been blessed by a good life. He was taking care of the church. He was enjoying watching his only daughter grow up as a child. Playing and laughing with the other children. You with me? And this year, everyone had attended her 12th birthday party. You know why 12th birthday was important? This is going to knock you off your seat, right? This means she had reached the age of being called a woman, and believe it or not, could now get married. That's right. Her life was filled with hope of a bright future. But shortly after her birthday, she had come down with a fever, gotten worse to the point, if Jarius does not find help, his only daughter will die. I wonder where Jesus was 12 years ago and what he was doing the day she was diagnosed and the day Jairus's daughter was born. One thing for certain, as the omnipresent, all-powerful God-man, he was there with them and very much aware of what the next 12 years of their lives were going to be like. Do you doubt that? Do you believe that? You understand? Where was he? He was there. He had designed it. He had designed their lives. And he knew exactly what the next 12 years were going to be like. But what he needed to do was he needed to get both of them to a place where he could touch both of their lives at the same time. That was his plan. He was going to bring the church and the outsider together for the perfect miracle. He was going to bring revival to that woman. And listen carefully. Before he could bring revival to the church, okay, Jairus' house, that next generation, before he could do that, that somebody had to get to him first. Watch what happens. Jairus is the first one to get there. He says, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go find the Lord. Maybe he had heard 
there was approximately, I think, 10 miracles that had happened prior to this. So he probably heard of what was going on through the ministry of the Lord. We don't know. He must have because his faith, his faith compelled him to get to where the Lord was. We know that he got there. Watch what happens. The Bible says that when he got there, he fell down at the feet of the Lord and worshipped him. And the Bible says he earnestly begged him to, to come. He says, if you will just touch my daughter, I know she'll be healed. I know. We, we believe it and we say it. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Prior to this particular miracle, you know where he had been? Mark records that he had been to the land of the Gadarenes. He had casted out a legion of devils out of that man's cemetery. He had calmed the storm with simply saying, peace be still on the way over or back. Prior to this, he had shown you and I, okay? They didn't know, not everybody, you and I. He'd showed us that he was the God-man. He had power over the spiritual world. He had power over the natural world. And now he was coming to where you and I live. He says, now pay attention, church, in 2023. Because what I'm going to show you now is going to be hinged on two very different people. But they're all coming to the right place at the right time. And I'm going to do that perfect double miracle that is going to save the outsider. Because when she comes and she touches, listen, she was afraid to touch him because she was unclean. And she did not want anybody else to feel uncomfortable. So what did she do with her, her last ounce of strength? She somehow, she snuck in. She snuck into her miracle, if you will. She snuck in behind. She said, all I need to do is just touch the very hem of his garment, and I know I will be healed. The Lord is on his way to the house of Jairus. He stops, boom. He turns around. Jarius is on hold. Oh, God help us. Listen, I believe with all my heart, revival hinges on both these things occurring at the same time. There is somebody that you, I believe this morning, possibly right here, 
You have served your 12-year sentence, and God has brought you to a place. Your faith has endured. Your faith has persevered. And now He has brought you to a place where He says, Now, I am here for you. If you will just come to me, I will show you that I have not forgotten you, that I am here for you, that this has been by design for your life because you are key to a revival that is going to go into the preacher's house, the house of God, but it can't happen until that person reaches in. Says. Somebody touched me. Who touched me? Lord, there's a crowd of sign seekers. They're waiting for you to feed another 5,000. They're waiting for you to heal the leper. They're, you know, they want your spiritual autograph on the back of their shirt so that they say, I was there. No, 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 no. You understand it? There is a soul somewhere that has an urgent need in their life. It is your job, Jarius, to make sure that you keep the doors open to the house of God. Listen, folks, it is our response. We keep the doors open. We can't control what else happens. But, Jarius, your job is you, you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you trust me, you believe me that I'm going to take care of things. But he, had, he brings both of them together. Jarius is like, oh, man, what, 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 wait, 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 wait. Lord doesn't, he doesn't hesitate. You understand, is it? He, you, he is always, his resources are unlimited. His, he, he, he is totally accessible to you. 24-7, he wants the church to understand the doors do not close when it comes to you and your need for God to be involved in your life. The doors are open. He is there. Bible says that he liveth forevermore to make intercession for you and me. He's thinking about you today, Brother Sam. He's thinking about you. Who touched me? He said, no. Peter, you know, Peter's got to add his little, Lord, come on, really? Come on. I mean, how many were there that day probably in that crowd? They were brushing him. They were... You know, who they were probably, who knows, who knows? But what we do know is that he said, no. He says, I felt a part of me leave. I felt it. Something, somebody touched me in such a way that literally a piece of me they took. Now, who did that? Who, who is brazen enough to touch him in such a way? 
that he literally feels something leaving his innermost being. He looked at the woman. The Bible says that, listen, did you read to me where the Bible says that she even prayed. Did she? I don't. was like Hannah, where she prayed from her heart, but there was no words. Somebody touched me. The Bible says that she came and she fell before him and she told him her life story. That's all he wanted. And he says, your faith. Your faith has made you whole. The Amplified Version says this. Go, your faith has made you whole. This particular problem is gone forever. Live the rest of your life and enjoy it. We know the story, don't we, a servant of Jerry? One of the people come, Jarius, she's dead. Why trouble the master? Your daughters, you took too long. Lord looked at him and said, Jairus, don't believe him. You believe me. You believe me. Took him to the house. Told the doubters to leave. Said, get out of here. You don't believe in the power of God? What are you doing? I'm about ready to bring revival to this house. Oh, God help us. Simply says, damsel, arise. That's all he said. Damsel, arise. Bible says she came up alive. She was alive. Revival came to that next generation that we thought was dead. Young people, this is a preacher that believes in you. You got to carry this torch. You got to carry the torch. And then he says this, he says, hey, feed her got to love it that's what we do in the house of God you understand we feed we feed as you stand with us today he is the almighty period the woman for all we know has only heard of Jesus on the streets maybe Man who had been healed of leprosy was preaching on the street corner. We don't know. Twelve years. Number 12 symbolizes, listen carefully, the number 12 symbolizes divine government apostolic fullness. I don't think you heard me. The number 12 stands, among other things, 
for apostolic fullness. There are 12 hours on the clock. There are 12 months on the calendar. There's 12 inches to our ruler of measurement. Remember from the beginning, God has your day's mark on His calendar already. Whether it's measured by length, time, or season. He has designed your life. He knows what you have gone through. He knows where you are right now. He knows what you will go through tomorrow. You don't know what we do know. Because we got the rest of the story. It's been written for us. What we do know is my faith, my faith will fight for me. My faith will stand as long as I keep the Lord Jesus on my priority list. Keep him there. Sister Coxon, you went through some stuff, didn't you, with that little child in your pregnancy? Did you enjoy it? No. Did he bring you through? Is that little baby alive and kicking today? Huh? Do you know what? Every one of you. Oh, Sister Leona. You truly are one of God's masterpieces. Yes, you are. And he designed your life. You didn't. No, sirree. You don't want to have gotten, went through what this lady, dear sister, has went through. But it was by design. But Jeff, she didn't control it. What she did control was her faith, her life, her perseverance. Sister Lisa, I'm not going to pick on you necessarily, but listen, God knew everything that you were going to go through. And He's seen your revival in your personal life. And He's seen that your daughter or your son or both was going because of your revival, that they were going to give their hearts finally to God. But it took your revival to get it done. If you're here this morning, we're going to open up the altar. We're going to open up the front. I believe that the Lord is here. I believe that He has designed your life. And that make no mistake about it, He has brought you. He has brought you to such a time as this. Maybe everything is good for you, that's fine. But he still brought you to the time of Jarius, uh, the first 12 years. You better give him the glory in the good times. You better praise him in the good times. Or maybe you are here and you are just that somebody woman and you have struggled with things. 
I'm here to try to convince and persuade you that there is a distinct possibility that you have went through your 12-year cycle and today is your day that He is going to bless you and heal you and make you whole.